0: Hello and welcome to the Health Advocate podcast. My name is Alison Verhoven, and I'm the Chief Executive Officer here at the Australian Healthcare and Hospitals Association. Today I'm joined by Emma Whitehead, General Manager for Strategy, Planning and Performance at the Central Queensland Wide Bay Sunshine Coast Primary Health Network. Emma's recently begun the Advanced Leadership Program which is run by Women in Leadership Australia and she's kindly agreed to talk with us today about what this program entails. So hi Emma and welcome to the AHA podcast. Oh, Thank you for inviting me. So you've recently started the Advanced Leadership Program that Women in Leadership Australia run. Can you tell us a little bit more about the program and how you got involved in it?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, I started it about five months ago. It's a 12-month program and it's a mixture of online webinar and face-to-face modes which is really designed to encourage the participants to explore and reflect upon their own personal strengths and weaknesses. So in addition to all of those kind of learning modules that they supply, the course also uses executive coaches and they undertake a full personality assessment. And then they work with you to kind of probe into your areas of growth and put in place strategies and activities to concentrate your attention into addressing those. And I I was really drawn to it because it's got a very intentional focus on personal development rather than a more kind of academic background.
0: That all sounds pretty challenging, the idea of probing into your strengths and weaknesses. What are you hoping for yourself to get out of this program? Did you enter into it with um, a particular set of behaviours or that you wanted to change or particular types of skills that you wanted to acquire?
1: Uh, not specifically, no. I mean, I've done some postgraduate management qualifications and I'd been to a few leadership events and while they were all very useful, they often took a quite a traditional approach to learning, I suppose. What I really liked about this program was that it, it doesn't do that. It's not kind of an academic approach, it's more of an immersion approach. So to get real value from it, you need to kind of be in a position where you're ready to learn, you're kind of humble, you're being honest with yourself and you're willing to be vulnerable. And I felt like I was in a place like that where I just wanted to start to reflect on things I was doing, what was working well, what wasn't working so well and make some changes around that. So it's been a really great experience. It's been really stimulating and it's teaching me, I guess, in a form that I haven't kind of worked in before because I have had more of that academic kind of training. It's been really excellent. So can you tell me a
0: little bit about the shape of the program? Do you start off with readings and doing some of the online learning and then follow it up with the executive coaching? How long does it last for? What's
1: the program actually like? Sure, it's got three face-to-face, two-day face-to-face sessions and it starts off with just a bit of an intro, shows you how to use the tools, the online modules and the online support systems. But then pretty quickly you go along to a two-day session, a face-to-face session in Sydney. And people are from all over Australia and also actually from New Zealand. And it's a really great, safe kind of environment to, to get to know each other, to get to, to start some of that dialogue that is actually quite challenging. You get a peer coach and you're supported to work with your peer coach to directly support and challenge and, and practice your coaching skills with. So it's got a it's got those kind of elements which are all supported by technology. And yes it has got lots of readings and yes it has got kind of direct delivery modules, you know, through an online portal. But it also has a webinar focus. There's a webinar once a month and it just uses a simple technology Zoom. But you get an opportunity to go into lots of different rooms to different breakout rooms with your peers. So you get to really discuss and consider some of the new learnings and some of the presentations or TED talks or readings that you've done and kind of reflect and think and of course everyone's in different sectors and in different environments and in some cases different countries so it's it's a really great opportunity to kind of have totally different perspectives from totally different people quite frequently yeah.
0: Emma, you've got a a long-standing experience in the health sector and particularly in primary health leadership, but you've mentioned that there are people involved in this program from many other sectors. Is there anything you've particularly learned from some of those colleagues from across other sectors that you bring back to your day-to-day work in the health sector?
1: No, I don't think there has been in terms of a tangible thing. There hasn't been like a penny drop moment or a a kind of tool that makes you a fabulous leader. I think what I've learned is that there's an enormous amount of commonality in people's insecurities, in people's worries, in people's anxieties across all of the sectors. Um, It's quite similar. But I think that there's actually a lot of support from being open about some of those things that we doubt us about ourselves or. that we want to to work on and other people sort of reflecting on that and giving you that perspective of that's not necessarily how I would see that that thing that you just described to me what I'm hearing is dot 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 so I think that I would say there isn't a really tangible thing that somebody from a different sector has brought in but there are still lots of of learnings about how different people have done different things and then reflection time to kind of mull that over with them
0: was it a surprise to you that people in other sectors share your same insecurities, share the same sometimes lack of confidence in the way you know a system or a program is being funded or delivered? Did that surprise you
1: at all? It's not been so much that that surprised me. I think one of the things that's really surprised me is the number of people who have described themselves as having imposter syndrome that's something I don't know if this makes me very ignorant, but that's something it's not an expression I'd really heard before. And I, I was, you know, looking at this amazing group of people and kind of with all these amazing achievements and skills. And I was quite surprised to hear people reflecting on themselves using that kind of terminology. And I don't know whether that's because it, and I, I really don't want to generalise or stereotype, but I don't know if that's because it is a specifically orientated course towards women or whether there's a place for, for a course for women to try and focus on things like that. But it's certainly something that was a, a real shock to me in terms of how people perceive themselves and their, their level of confidence. And it was, it was quite widespread. And I think that's one of the things that I've enjoyed seeing people really reflect on and go, well, actually, maybe I'm actually pretty good at what I do. So that's that's been quite joyful. Yeah.
0: Well, joy is always a good surprise. Something that I have read about quite extensively has been the limitations that many women place on themselves when they apply for positions of leadership and that is often they'll look at perhaps say the selection criteria for a position and say to themselves well I don't meet all of those criteria and you know if I did try to pretend that I met those I'd be caught out so I better not apply for this job. Does that sort of resonate with you when you start to think about the imposter syndrome and why women maybe put brakes sometimes on their own career potential?
1: I'd also read about that um, quite frequently, and I have to say it's not something that I've particularly worried about. I, I think I've been more willing to have a gamble. But I think that does generally from the course that I'm on. I think that has been played out a little bit in terms of people's very literal interpretation about how good they are at, at things and it really plays into that question about having a gender-orientated course. And of course, it could be generational. Like I mentioned before, it could be something that people of a certain age are more like than potentially millennials. I don't really know what the new emerging literature is around that. But it is definitely something that I think is people are challenging about themselves because through the process of going through the course, they're recognising that not only are they really quite good at what they do, but they're also recognizing that lots of people do kind of fake it till they make it.
0: So from my understanding about the advanced leadership program, one of their main aims is to encourage participants like yourself to reach your full leadership potential, to go beyond the feeling of being an imposter and actually allowing you to blossom and become the inner leader that is you. You know, you're on a pathway to that. What is actually supporting you to work towards your full leadership potential?
1: One of the things I really like about the course is that it really makes you think about the things that you can control. And one of the key things, of course, one of probably the only thing you can really control is yourself. So you can't necessarily control your stakeholders or your market or your external environment, but you can control how you manage it, how you cope with it, how you influence it, how you communicate with it. So it's really starting to put that lens across the work that you're doing on a day to day basis and make you think about the way that you interplay with the world that you interact with. So I think that, I mean, it it sounds really, really obvious, but I think that we get so caught up in our day-to-day business with all of the multiple things that are happening in trying to impose controls on things that potentially very often are outside of our control. And we don't often spend that time kind of reflecting about really how is our, our ability to react or to interact with that thing, the thing that we can make the most opportunity from.
0: That sounds to me like a pretty important learning for somebody involved in a primary health network like you are where those collaborative relationships and partnerships are absolutely critical to the aims and objectives of your organisation and I'm imagining that in your role as general manager of strategy planning and performance you'd be looking at some of those relationship building skills in particular and at some of the issues around what you can control and what you can't control are you going to take away some learnings from this that you'll be able to apply do you think in your everyday
1: work yeah definitely I think it already is influencing my work the way that the course is kind of set up you get lots of opportunity to kind of practice you know you you learn things and you consider things and you read things and then you get a lot of opportunity to practice and of course you can do that without a course but by being in this leadership course you are kind of being held to account because you have either a peer coach or a, a reflection or something that you do at the end of that so it gives you a really good opportunity to actually practice those skills those reflections on a day-to-day basis but nobody else knows you're doing it you know you're, you're just interacting in your normal working day as, as you would be anyway so it gives you an opportunity to kind of reflect at the end of the day and go, OK, I had that conversation, that challenging conversation with a stakeholder or, or somebody. And did I really do my best there? What other things could I have done? What other methods could I have applied or how could I have managed that better? And then, of course, you you either feel like you've done a great job or you think, oh, I probably need to practice that a bit more. So I, I think I'm already starting to put some of those skills into practice. Uh, and then obviously to kind of formally reflect on some of the successes or challenges that ensue from that. So
0: one of the things I think about often as a leader of a health organisation is, you know, what are the characteristics that make a good leader? And if you can think about those characteristics, then there's potentially a pathway towards developing your own capabilities and skill set in that area. And I've heard you talk about a couple of capabilities which might not necessarily appear on a set of selection criteria but would seem to me to be quite integral to good leadership. One is the capacity to be reflective, so thinking about your own experiences and, and thinking about how you might moderate or change your style you know, as you progress with your work. The second thing you said which really resonated with me is not being too literal about things. So not looking at the requirements of a job and going, oh, well, if I can't do that, then I definitely can't lead. You know, So being a little bit more open-minded. And then the third thing that you've said which has really resonated with me is that you can't always control everything in your environment, but you can control the way you respond to things. So I'm sure you'd put those on the list of characteristics of a good leader, but what are some of the other characteristics That you think might make a good leader
1: look this is a really interesting question and it's something that I've been considering as I've been doing this course because lots of the leadership reading and and learning that I've done in the past really did focus on you know your leadership characteristics and I think that that is part of this course but it's much softer smaller part of this course One of the things, well, one of the big focuses or foci of this course is really about adaptive leadership. And that term refers to those leadership challenges which need, you know, changes to our values, our beliefs, our roles, our relationships, the way we approach our work rather than a technical solution like, you know, implementing a new policy or restructuring a team or something. I mean, I've spent the last 15 plus years of my career largely working in health and well, probably 20, actually, in health and social care environments. And the majority of that time, those environments in the UK and, and now in Australia have been being reformed or restructured in some way. And so I've constantly worked in this constantly changing or evolving environment where you have to constantly be thinking about changing people's behavior and change management and, and adapting new approaches or solutions or relationships or whatever to resolve a problem. So I think this lexicon of adaptive leadership has helped me to kind of coordinate how I think about leadership skills, about how those skills are built and actually enacted, rather than what characteristics of leadership you may or may not possess or may or may not be able to develop. So I think I'm coming at it from a slightly different angle to the way that I've I think that's one of the things that's really changed about the way I'm looking at it. Rather than trying to build characteristics in myself, I think I'm thinking more about, you know, that kind of skill base and how you actually deliver those skills, what behaviors and styles you use to, to, to deliver that.
0: So one of the things I think, in my experience anyway, that women do particularly well is actually to adapt to the different circumstances in which they find themselves, particularly for those of us, and I know you've shared this experience as well, for those of us who have children, you know, we move from potentially full-time roles to maybe part-time roles parental leave. We're back in in and out of the system. And I guess this program has been specifically targeted at women and partly to address some of that need for adaptability that women have you know as they juggle families and lifestyles and it's not to say that men don't either but the reality is that women bear you know much of that juggling if you like how has the program actually influenced your thinking about you know a woman balancing life with family and workplace what do we need to do to get some great gender equity and leadership have you got some
1: thoughts on that? Yeah, it, it has been an, an interesting reflection because I think, you know, gender equity and leadership, like any kind of diversity, is a real benefit to the organisation as well as the teams and to leaders um, of those, those organisations. But of course, the irony on this course is that a bit like quotas, you know, in focusing on building women leaders, it also closes the input of males into the experience. And I guess that does have, you know, pluses and minuses. But I think it has been, maybe it will change, but it has been largely women who have been flipping in and out of, of their careers as they take on caring roles. It has been women historically who have taken the majority of those caring roles on. So it is an interesting point to building that gender equality and to be trying to you know, get more parity across the genders. But I do think you spoke about it earlier. I don't know whether there's some data on whether this is, (laughs) whether I'm just generalising whether there's anything to back it up, but it certainly feels like there are some specific issues that are kind of insecurities for women that they do need to have some time to think about and to reflect on and to recognise that really there isn't a problem there because I'm certainly feeling like the participants in the course that I'm in are really moving towards feeling much more confident about themselves generally and maybe that's a big part of it is is actually just having that confidence to enact that but also I think from my own personal experience of the course that the skills that you're learning that they're actually just really good life skills they're you know they're great for a leadership course they're great if you're managing an organization or a large team but they're also great skills to have to be with your family or to, to be a parent. So, it's not rocket science. It's just about being a bit more diligent in terms of the way that you practice those things and then reflect on them. And I, and that's something that, you know, I'm I'm certainly trying to do because it is hard to be mindful when you're flying from full-time work to being a parent of young children and, you know, managing all those spinning plates at the same time.
0: It's a challenge isn't it? So it sounds like you've got quite a lot out of this program but has there been a particular part of it that you've really enjoyed or that's been your favorite experience?
1: Well, I'm only halfway through it. There certainly have been a couple of things that I've really enjoyed, but I think probably the biggest kind of gift it's given me so far is in the peer coaching component. You know, you you chose your peer to be a peer coach with in the first month. You literally just Pick somebody, so you, you don't know very much about them at all, other than kind of their name and where they work and their role title, and that's that can be quite. Well, it can be difficult on lots of levels. You might have different personalities. You might have very different roles, different views on the world. And certainly for myself and my peer coach, we are very, very different. We've got very different beliefs and views and and all sorts. And it's just been wonderful having somebody who is very different, uh, who's willing to work with you to be honest, to set out those ground rules and to have that lovely coaching relationship but you do have to be able to take criticism, you do have to be able to be vulnerable, you do have to be able to put yourself out there. And I think if you're not willing to do that, you're probably not going to get that learning gift back because it, it is a trusted relationship, but it's also sometimes hard to, to hear other people's feedback about things that you may not be, you know, you might not be aware of.
0: Thinking about ourselves, you know, about our own behaviours and skills and attitudes can actually be much harder than thinking about other people's behaviours and skills and attitudes. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. So Emma, thinking back to yourself, the younger you, you know, somebody sort of emerging out of university and looking at a, you know, potential career ahead of you, based on the experience that you've had out of this program, would you provide any advice to the younger you?
1: Oh my goodness, that's an interesting (laughs) question. I think that thing about i I can't think of a better word than vulnerability it's not quite the right word but there is something about you know when you're young and you have um probably a, a less broad experience of the world it's easy to be very aspirational to want to make a difference to to really you know to be quite black and white about things and sometimes to be a bit naive about things i guess that there is a certain benefit to maybe Being a bit more vulnerable, listening to a bit more feedback, weighing up your options um, about how you take responsibility for your own, you know, your own behaviour and how you enact that. And I, I think that maybe younger Emma would have benefited from a bit of that advice. I'm
0: sure the younger Alison might have benefited from that same sort of (laughs) advice too, Emma. Um, Thank you very much for sharing your experiences in the Advanced Leadership Program and, you know, in particular to inspiring other women leaders to maybe think about, you know, participating in a program like this, which helps them develop their skills and their feelings about being a leader and hopefully help them advance in their profession. Something that I think both you and I are quite passionate about. Um, We do want to see women step up into leadership roles um, and take on some challenges and to be confident and have the skill set to be able to do that. So thank you very much for sharing your experience with us today and good luck in your ongoing leadership efforts.
1: Thank you, Alison, and thanks for inviting me to speak with you.
0: Yes, thank you. For those listening to us, if you've enjoyed this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting the AHHA by following us on SoundCloud or subscribing on your podcast app. And to keep up to date with our work more broadly, you can follow us on social media on Twitter at oz healthcare or on our website aha.asn.au where you can find out about being a member or getting involved in our work emma thank you very much for a terrific discussion this afternoon and happy new year happy christmas and happy new year
1: thanks alison thank you thank you